jocks in the pool That is not cool, I need the tools Take me to school, feet first Into this league, me first That cannot be, under the underdog Monica G Feeling a whole lot better suddenly I get in with it, win it again You're one and two in the bag and I'm going for three That is the beat down, got her the best So I keep now, y'all tread in water for weeks Now, now I'm the shark so I eat Now, look, I am not sorry I understood the pun from which I started And never getting these drafts is cathartic, so Dynasty underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now Dynasty underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now Welcome to Dynasty Underdog episode 177 Uriah our host our gracious host is playing hooky today fortunately we had Jake coming on anyway so it's me and Jake Love it. How you doing, brother? Doing great. I'm doing great. I think Uriah didn't want to come on because of the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> flopping this past weekend. He didn't want to take the heat, huh? He didn't want to take the heat. <laughs> That's what it was. Understandably so. I feel that. I feel that. I mean, we just got to come come out of the gate with it, right? Like the Amari Cooper news, and we're going live right now, Thursday night before the football game, the Browns and the Jets, and news is... Amari Cooper's out with the heel injury. Absolutely hate to hear it. I have him going in like two spots or had him going in two spots. One against you. I'm sure you're you're very pleased to see this news uh, for that reason. But um, yeah, I just got to talk about it real quick. Absolutely brutal. Um, if you have a pivot, <laughs> I don't know what you do. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. Just just pivot out. That's all you can do. Yeah, last minute injury designations are really tough, uh, especially when everything was leaning to him playing tonight. So Hey, by all means, thankfully for you, you know, you put up a relatively, you know, I wouldn't say stacked team, but you have at least depth in enough positions to, to fill in those holes. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) maybe not stacked, but (laughs) what do you fill it in with? Like, it was like Drake London or Ty Chandler is one of the two. Ty Chandler. Yeah, it's, it's, could be worse. Could be worse. Yeah. Drake London in the other league that I'm in, which again, could be worse. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, from dynasty perspective, I think like the only actionable advice here would be if you're not in the playoffs and you want some of our Cooper on your team, because you think, you know, you're, you're that kind of guy away um, a year from now, this is an opportunity for sure to go ahead and try to, you know, move a, a piece like a Ty Chandler plus maybe for Amari Cooper or, you know, something like that, not much plus on it, but, um, but something like that for sure. I think you could probably get that done in some spots with the no trade deadline leagues. And that's obviously the advantage of, of having those kind of leagues, which, you know, we obviously advocate for. Okay. Some other insane news, Russell Wilson. This is definitely, um, I think more of a dynasty talking point for sure. Russell Wilson on the outs with the Denver Broncos. It seems they decided to sit him the final two weeks to avoid any kind of injury and uh, possibly having to pay him around $40 million guaranteed for the injury. Uh, which is in his contract, which is one of the shadiest moves I've heard of in a while. I, I'm, I mean, to openly try to skate around, you know, terms of a contract like that, it, it's just kind of an interesting move. But that said, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of dynasty managers probably think that Russell Wilson is, is just done, that, you know, Russell, Russell Wilson was the problem, that he's not good, that no team will want him. And I, I just think that that's completely false. I can run through some of, you know, the the PFF stats here in a, in a second, but I don't know, just what do you think about this whole situation? Yeah, no, it's just, it's a lot of ineptness from an organization that continues to go down the same path. And 
you know, it's kind of similar to what you've seen out of other orgs that just continually dig themselves a hole. Funny enough, uh, the Cleveland Browns have actually been able to kind of work around some of their contractual issues that they've provided Watson, given that they've done a great job defensively in terms of stacking up their team and they're probably going to make the playoffs. Whereas the funny thing is, is that what you're about to list with regards to Russell Wilson is I don't think he was the detriment or the, the reason that prevented the Broncos from making the playoffs this year. If you look at like the first six or seven games of the season, statistically, he might have not been at his very best, but he wasn't the reason that was preventing the team from winning. Uh, that probably had to do with their defense that gave up, what was it, 70 points in one of the matches early in the season. Uh, they were by far one of the biggest jokes in the NFL. And they started off the year, I think it was like 0-4 or 1-4 or something like that. Uh, Dynasty landscape, it's, I think, a positive one if you want to go out and, and get Russell. I think there are a lot of uh, willing teams that will, are going to go after him, uh, especially knowing that the Broncos are going to have to cover a lot of that contract. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, the contract, I guess if they cut him, the contract's void at that point, right? So then they can go and sign him for whatever, and he's getting paid from them and who, whatever the team that signs him. So, I mean, he's, Russ is probably in for a pretty good payday over the next, uh, the next five years or so. Uh, that aside, just looking at the numbers a little bit here, big throw percentage, 5.6. He's top 10 in that. And his turnover-worthy percentage, 3.0, is like middle of the pack, like just kind of below middle of the pack. So, I mean, he's really not throwing a bunch of balls that are you know turnover-worthy. He's throwing a bunch of big throws during the game. And the one that really stood out to me was that he's 14th in percentage of pressures turned into sacks, which I thought was pretty huge. Like their offensive line is terrible. They haven't been able to run the ball this year. They haven't been able to pass block this year. He's been under duress all season long. You saw it in this last game. He had to, you know, he felt the need you could see to get out of the pocket at all times. And I, I just think, you know, all season long, you've seen him, you know, toss the ball 60 yards to you know, Cortland Sutton and, and turn something into nothing. And, you know, they're, they're really kind of using him as a scapegoat this season, which is, you know, easy for Sean Payton to do to kind of save his job, I think. So it, it's just kind of hard to see him not starting in the league next year. Like you said, I think there's a ton of teams that would be looking for a guy like Russell Wilson, you know, the Atlanta Falcons come to mind. Um, Washington comes to mind. There's, I mean, the Patriots come to mind. There's like a million teams that could use a guy like Russell Wilson uh, short term and probably give him I mean this this reminds everybody's going to talk about Derek Carr and what happened to him with the Raiders is very reminiscent of that I think that you're going to see something like that he could absolutely get another long-term contract with another team yeah absolutely all right yeah we're going to talk about some trades later with uh with Russell Wilson I actually made a trade for him we're in the news and nonsense section so I just want to talk about championship tokens this is this is my new thing this is what I'm calling third and fourth round picks like during this time of year. I don't want to, you know, I thought about this. I, I think I talked to Jake about this briefly and I thought about this. I was like, I don't really think first round picks, maybe second round picks, but definitely not first round picks should not be in this category because they're, they should not be thrown around so willy nilly. But I do think you should be tossing around third and fourth round picks to, you know, this time of year to, you know, solidify depth on your team um, probably a week ago or so. But this is my new term, championship tokens. Think about them that way because I think it's a lot easier to move on from third and fourth round picks when you think of them that way this time of year when you're trying to win your leagues. Just like a little fun thing. Moving on to what's it out? What's it out? Is George Pickens, Randy Moss, like what the hell was this game that we just saw from him? Obviously, that's some sarcasm there, but what? <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> Two touchdowns. That. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to clarify that. Uh, 
two touchdowns from Mason Rudolph of all people. A massive game. What do you what, think about three, this? Three bombs, right? It was three yeah, bombs, four, four receptions, <laughs> one ninety-five or something like that. It was crazy. Um, yeah, his game isn't sustainable. At the end of the day, like that's just the reality of him. He's he's truly a boomer bust type receiver in the NFL, and it's someone that I want to get away from as fast as possible. You're dealing with, you know, he isn't the same model or archetype or prototype of Deshaun Jackson, but fantasy output wise, he's very much a Deshaun Jackson, right? Like you're looking at those 65, 70 yard receptions for touchdowns uh, and you're not really getting a lot of, a, a lot of other showing, even in his days where he gets, you know, somewhere between nine to 12 targets, he's usually only catching somewhere between four to six, like the dude just doesn't have that uh, elusiveness. He doesn't have, we already know, he doesn't have the separation. Uh, he doesn't really have run after the catch unless he's just kind of burned uh, a corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just, honestly, there's a lot to his game that I just don't like personally as someone who spends a lot of time looking at wide receivers and kind of understanding their game a little bit better. Uh, this is the time to this is the time to sell if you have them in my opinion like th- these are the types of games that you really hope for and you you hope that there's someone else out there that's just like damn he looks fire because there is someone out there that, that believes that what's interesting is like i i do think a lot of people think similarly or don't as much as they do like him they don't want to pay the price that comes with the hype around george pickens right because you look at ktc and his value actually i was like wow i'm not like these aren't assets that i'd be like screaming to go after right like would you sell george pickens for a christian watson no okay 26 first i think it would have to be a 26 first plus probably like a third yeah and you'd, you'd have to be like rebuilding obviously in that situation too. yeah what about deandre swift his contract situation isn't great right so that kind of scares me with deandre swift honestly i think Everyone here but Deshaun Watson is the only individual that I would say I am intrigued by. Um, yeah, Swift, Watson, 26 first. <laughs> I'm going to probably pass unless there's there's add-on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Deshaun Watson, though, I think I'm, I'm, I'll, probably, I'll probably smash that. It's really strange considering the game he just had. You'd think that he'd have a, a pretty big value spike there. So I'd obviously be reaching higher. Um, and, and to be honest, though, like in the one place that I did have him, the market – was pretty soft for him the entire time like it was never really hot i was never getting you know incredible offers or anything like that uh and another one that we'll be talking about in a little bit in our trade section uh that that i got done as well um and again i don't think it's something that you're like wow amazing deal like <laughs> the best deal ever so um i do think i'm in the same boat with you like i want to get off of pickens from this game if possible because we've seen him dip right back down to you know a two-point game or, or you know whatever it is. I mean, the quarterback situation is terrible. Uh, the team, the state of the team isn't great either. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to, to dislike there. Um, so no, Pickens is not Randy Moss, despite this game, get rid of him if you can, but not for those values, I guess. Yeah. Deshaun Watson, for sure though, I would immediately trade Pickens for Watson straight up and without a hiccup. Same. Purdy turdy. Purdy had a bad game, bro. Yeah. yeah. Four interceptions. Did. Yeah, four interceptions is pretty yeah, pretty damn pretty, bad. This is our MVP delicious. candidate over here. <laughs> you know, at one point I think it was when he had three interceptions, he only had I think five or six incompletions. 
Uh, so three of his incompletions were interceptions. <laughs> That's not helping. No, no, it's it's not. He honestly, he had a bad game. He came off of a stinger, right? He had a stinger the week before um, on his throwing shoulder, pretty sure. And they took him out in the game and they said that was the reason why. Yeah, well, no, I think this was his second stinger in a row. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I think he literally had one in the week prior. They pushed him to finish out most of that game, if I remember correctly. And then they started him in this game without really any... <laughs> any concern that it would have an effect on his game. And I think it, I think it did. I, I think it was a dude who played injured in a game that mattered. Uh, obviously they were playing up against probably one of the best teams that they played against this season, aside from Philly. Um, yeah, I wouldn't take too much away from it. I think I'd like to kind of wait and see, but this could be a good buy window if you want Brock Purdy. You know, it's funny is last week and I'm bringing this up obviously on the show sheet with T-Law um, Uriah and I talked about this a little bit with trading Trevor Lawrence for Brock Purdy. And I was like, maybe I'll just wait a week <laughs> and see <laughs> if he has a down week against a good team. And voila, here he is having a down week against a good team. So Purdy plus a second for Trevor Lawrence is pretty solid or no. Uh, honestly, as a person who owns Trevor as well, uh- <laughs> I think I was significantly more into him going into the season than I have been seeing what he's done. But I also am aware of this, the high ankle sprain, the the knee issue that he had going into the season, uh, now his new shoulder injury, plus the concussion. Like, the dude's a warrior, but at the end of the day, we want points, right? And he's just not scoring them at a very high level. Uh <laughs> <laughs> It's tough. I I just don't feel entirely convinced by either of the assets is kind of where I'm at. And I felt that way about Purdy for the entire year. You can go back to when Uriah and I are on back-to-back weeks. Um, I just haven't been particularly high on Purdy, and I haven't been particularly overwhelmed by Trevor Lawrence. What about you? Yeah, like it's – I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, but if we're in that boat, it feels like you should take plus on either side, right? So yeah, definitely. I think I think if you can get, I was saying a third last week, but yeah, I think I don't know. I do think that Trevor Lawrence has a little bit more stability and staying power, just simply based on his, you know, uh, his pedigree and the overall pick. I I just think that you know it's it's much more likely that he starts an extra season or two than Brock Purdy if Brock Purdy were to just kind of fall off a cliff, like it's, you know, there's no reason to stick with him. So um, I do think Trevor Lawrence is a more stable asset, but I'd probably take, you know, if I can get a second on Brock Purdy, I'm definitely going to do that. I think Um, playing in like two to three year windows, I think he'll be there. So I'm okay with that. It's definitely tough, man. You see these, you know, dynasty is a a long-term game, but you see on a week to week basis, how your opinions can kind of fluctuate. So it's tough to kind of stay on track and, and, you know, do the right thing at all times and, and not kind of overreact, you know? Yeah. So, um, I don't think that, you know, this terrible game for Brock Purdy means that he's a terrible player or anything like that, but I do think a lot of people may, and you could probably get, like I said, plus a second or something like that. I do think it might be worth it. Okay. Zamir white running back one, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Josh Jacobs is probably not. I mean, he's on a one-year deal like every year, so he's not long for the Raiders. I mean, Zamir White is definitely in for more work next year just based on kind of what he's done here, I think, no matter what. 
probably going to be a one-two punch with him and somebody else. They always bring in guys. Um, I doubt Josh Jacobs is back there. How do you feel about Zamir White? Um, I do think his value is kind of interesting right now. I'm not sure that you know the keep trade cut universe is caught up to it, uh, to what he might be, but we could talk about it in a second. What do you think about Zamir White just as a whole? Yeah, I, I think there's some interesting elements to his game. Uh, it will be interesting to see what they do in the offseason in terms of free agency and or the draft. I think Zemir White is kind of in this almost Kyron Williams situation where we were kind of looking at the end of last year. Mm. What's going to happen with Kyron Williams? Will he end up being the starter? Started the season, said no. Cam Akers was going to be the starter. And he quickly lost that by week two, which is pretty crazy. And then, funny enough, I think Kyron Williams is kind of in the same situation at the end of this year, regardless of his prowess. I think that you could easily see the Rams taking additional running back uh, power within the NFL draft and or free agency. And that role changes entirely. Like he has no competition there right now. Ronnie Rivers, pretty shit. Bryce Freeman, pretty shit. Like <laughs> if you're listening, I apologize to both of you. Um, but like, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I sit with Zemir White is situationally. He looks great. I can easily see he's already in a second year. Next year will be his third year. Maybe they get use out of him for two years. I think if anything, it's going to say that Josh Jacobs is gone. Like, that's kind of how I'm reading it, is that they're not going to pay uh, Jacobs the franchise tag and they'll probably move on from him. So that's a positive for for the Raiders. But given the values, KTC has him valued at third. And I'm assuming that's for 2024. I think it would take two at least. Yeah, if I'm competing, I would love to pay a third for him. But I don't think that's going to get the job done i think mm -hmm. i sent out something similar actually recently in another league um for zemir white and i think two seconds for joe mixon and that did not get accepted yeah i i don't think it, i don't think a third is getting done right now would you move like a brandon cooks for a zemir white straight yeah probably i think cooks is for lack of better words cooked he's what 30 31 washed. something like that washed as they say yeah uh, i, I, I <laughs> He's still performing at a relatively high level. He's finally healthy again in Dallas. Like he's he's maintaining uh, relevancy, but I'd probably want to get off of Brandon Cooks ASAP. And this is the type of running back that I'd go for. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I I think that this is a deal that could potentially get done uh, for sure. I think that there's you know people who would look at Brandon Cooks as a more valuable asset than uh, Zamir White, who's never done anything but these two games. Uh, I think I also would, this last one, Antonio Gibson, I think I would trade Antonio Gibson for Zamir White pretty easily. Another one who I think, you know, contenders, um, or just in general, I mean, a lot of people have Zamir White love. He was a, a fantasy darling for a long time. and um, I mean, uh, Antonio Gibson love. Um, so I do think you can get that done. Yeah, I would too. Uh, I just don't see what Antonio Gibson's future really looks like in Washington. I think he's he's probably going to be out this upcoming year. Uh, given contracts, Chris Rodriguez. I know he just went on IR today, I want to say, but mm -hmm. yep. looked great last week. I think Brian Robinson and Chris is probably the future. They do need probably some type of back that can catch out of the backfield, some type of third down back, but I just don't see it being Antonio Gibson anymore now that Riverboat Ron will probably be gone after the season. Yeah, Antonio Gibson in a fourth or late third probably gets it done uh, for Zamir White, uh, something in that range. So definitely some opportunity there. We talked about Amari 
Cooper, Amari Superstari, but I do want to know a little bit, do you think it's sustainable kind of the production? Not obviously not 50 point game or whatever he just had, <laughs> but you know, we're going to see Joe Flacco likely not be the quarterback of this team next year. We're going to see Deshaun Watson come back. And do we think that it's worth kind of selling him? He's 29 years old. Do we move off of Amari? Maybe, I mean, we have one week left here. If you have him on your roster and you're fighting for the championship, you obviously just, well, no longer. I mean, you could trade him now. He's not playing. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's the idea. What do you do? Do you move on from Amari Cooper, or do you think he can kind of sustain this this type of production? That's a great question. Honestly, I haven't really thought about <laughs> I haven't really thought about Amari since I got knocked out of the playoffs with the only team that I have Amari on, and I tried to trade him <laughs> in that league a couple of times. Um, so I guess that kind of gives kind of where I'm at. Uh, yeah, he probably has another one to two years. I, I think his style of play is going to be relevant for at least two more seasons is kind of the way that I look at it. It really is just going to come down to Deshaun Watson's uh, presence. How good is he while he's back, right? Uh, but given some of the guys that you have here, him or Terry McLaurin, I'd probably be willing to risk it for Terry. I, I think his contract's coming up as well. I'd love to see him in a new in a new team. I think a, a new environment could be great for him, even as a wide receiver too, on a, maybe on a bigger squad. Yeah, I do think these values are interesting. Uh, Terry McLaurin's contract is up in 26, technically, but there's an, a pretty easy out in 25. Um, a lot of tradeability there probably too, so depending on what that team does, who comes in, if they want to blow it up, he's definitely uh, one of those candidates who could be out the door. But um, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I kind of would maybe risk it for McLaurin. Um, we got Goddard and Muth here in tight end premium. <sighs> Muth is interesting. I think I'd, I'd be interested in a, a deal around that maybe. Not so much Goddard. And Joku, definitely I think I would consider something like that given what I've seen. But I know you um, don't believe in Njoku so much. Uh, but a 26 first, um, that's a little down the road. I think I'd like a 25 first for Amari if I could get it done. And I think that's probably the appropriate range. And if you're looking at 2024, you're probably looking at a second plus maybe a developmental player. And maybe you can get a late first. If maybe, maybe. Um, but that's going to be tough. Uh, but I, I do think I'm with you. Like, it's probably time to move off of him. He's going to have a, a shine going into the off season. He's going to carry, I think, you know, a little bit of hype given what he's done here for some teams. So uh, yeah, I think it's time to move off of him because, you know, two weeks ago, a week ago, I did not think he was such uh, uh, an, an appetizing, appealing apps, uh, appealing asset in dynasty. Right. Yeah. I need him back in the actual NFL playoffs. Uh, I need him <laughs> to put out, you know, like an 120 yard game, two touchdowns, something like that. So that the hype can stay alive because, you know, without any trade, trade deadlines, people eat that shit up and take advantage of it. Like playoff football in the NFL, people think is like the most valuable thing, which is hilarious because at the end of the day, those points will never go to your actual roster. So <laughs> like those performances, they mean nothing. They could easily be some dude's last games in, in the NFL. You, you literally don't know. So take advantage of that time to, to try and trade away uh, talent like Amari. I think that that's a very real possibility, right? Like they're going to make the playoffs. He's going to come back. It's a heel injury. And obviously he was questionable for this matchup. He, he was a, 
know, potential play. So I think it's you know very likely he comes back and has some pretty significant success um, in at least one playoff game. So there, there's going to be some opportunity here uh, down the road. Baker Payfield, dude, does he get paid? Does this guy like? Come on, these are good, right? Like, tell me, tell me. <laughs> <good>. All right, <laughs> uh, you know, you become a dad and they just come more naturally. It's crazy. But um, is, is Baker in line for a contract with the Bucks? Do you think? Like, just given what he's done here, it really feels like to me. Like, I mean, he's going to play, he's going to be the starter for some team, and I just don't see why it wouldn't be the Bucks. Yeah, I think if they make the playoffs, absolutely. And unfortunately, that's, that's still kind of a big if. Um, they are leading the South, but I think they're either a, a, a full game or a half game ahead of the Saints, if I remember correctly. Um, it's, it's tight. It's tight. And I think that's really going to be what it comes down to. <sighs> At the end of the day, landing spot makes him more or less interesting to me. There are a lot of teams that are very bad that need a quarterback um, that I just don't feel particularly <laughs> entranced by, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested, though. What, what about you? Where, where do you kind of land with him? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued as well. Like, I, I think, you know, there's so many interesting spots that he like say he ends up in Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, we're back, you know, we're back, baby. Like, and, and also I think that, like you said, if he gets, you know, a playoff game under his belt here, he could be in line for a three, four year deal with wherever he goes, wherever he gets signed. So we're talking about a much more stable dynasty asset than he is today in terms of that. Now, like you said, if he goes to, I, I can't think, you know, I don't know what team, but like a Carolina type team, obviously Carolina can't do that. They have Bryce Young, but a Carolina, like a, just a terrible team. Then yeah, like we've seen that with Baker Mayfield before. It's not great. <laughs> it's it's not great at all. So um, I'm interested. I think that, you know, you, you don't have to rush anything with here, here with Baker Mayfield. You can let this play out, see if he, you know, makes the playoffs and, and really see where he ends up. But as long as he's with a team like the Bucks or like I just said, like the Vikings, I mean, he he's clearly shown that he can play when he has really good talent around him in a, in a solid scheme. So, um, yeah, I, I think he could be pretty successful. I'm pretty interested in what I've seen here. He's been really good for fantasy. I mean, I, I I've had many 20 plus point games from Baker Mayfield in, in the league. I do have him. So let's just, I guess, run through it here. I thought these were shocking uh, players valued around him in KTC, at least the first two, but Terry McLaurin, Jalen Warren, which I would take him easily over those two guys. Uh, I did make a trade, I think, a couple weeks ago that was straight for DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, not everybody believes in Baker Mayfield. These things are happening. Will Levis, I think these are, these are the ones that we need to talk about. Would you take these guys over Baker Mayfield? Hayfield here. It's like I keep, I keep wanting to say it. Baker Mayfield. Uh, Levis, Stafford, and Bryce Young. Would you take any of those guys over Baker, or would you take Baker over any of those guys? I guess is the question. I'd probably take Stafford is the only one of. I'd probably take Stafford and Bryce over over Baker, um, but not yeah. Levis personally. Okay, just haven't seen enough from Levis. Just don't believe in him. Oh, I, I think I have seen enough. I think that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen enough, and I don't want to see anymore. All right, you understand? Yeah. No, like I think I've seen enough positivity out of Bryce in pretty insignificant moments which is kind of why i still have some faith um especially over the last four or five weeks sure. typically in the fourth quarter 
Uh, he just is showing some signs of life that I am intrigued by. And I think he has every right to have dropped in value from what the 103 to 105 kind of range starting in the off season to where he is now. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd much rather with him Stafford, honestly, I think he's just been electric this year. There's just the value gain that he provides the players around him, like a Puka Nakua, um, even Tyler Higby, uh, Cooper Cup when he's healthy, Demarcus Robinson, we're seeing a revitalization of him, Tutu Atwell, the list goes on and on. The dude is just playing at another level, and I still think he has at least another two to three years, and for that reason, I want to try and keep him if I can um, on the teams that I have. If I am able to get him for Baker Mayfield, I'm probably going to go that route. I still think that Stafford will probably score somewhere between 45 to 50 points more per season, which isn't great, you know, points per game. But there's something about that, um, <laughs> about that kind of like psychological element of that that still seems uh, more sustainable for me than what I'm kind of getting at of of Baker personally. What about you? How do those three guys line up for you? I know I totally get it with Stafford too. I mean, I just think that even if Baker has you know a solid contract like we've seen from Derek Carr this year, it doesn't matter how good the contract is. Like if he doesn't play well. Matthew Stafford is pretty much locked in, locked and loaded. There's nothing, you know, unless he just ages out or breaks, then he he's exactly what he is. And he's, <laughs> shoot him up. And he's, uh, you know, he's the quarterback for the Rams and he's going to be great when he's playing. So um, I, I understand that when I'm there with you. I think I've seen enough flashes. I mean, we'll talk about Bryce right now. You know, we did see some flashes this week from him finally, but um, I do think you're starting to see enough from him to buy into him just given you know first overall pick his age and everything you're just hoping that team kind of gets it together uh we've seen how many chances that baker has gotten right given you know similar draft uh draft capital so you know it's kind of a reset of baker almost in a way uh (laughs) it really is um but i i do think you know i really like bryce as a cerebral quarterback and I just think he's in a really tough situation. So you're just hoping that gets better. But I, I think in a rebuild situation, I'm definitely going Baker. Um, I mean, uh, Bryce, sorry. Bryce, but I, yeah. Yeah. I think it's close though. I do think it's close. If you're, you know, if you're competing, you could sway me with some Baker plus for sure. Uh, I, I could be swayed. Um, I think the more interesting one is, is like a Bryce young or a Deshaun Watson, one of those two guys. And I'm probably still sticking with Deshaun Watson. I just, it's almost, it's, it's not Russell not as much like Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson was actually a little better than Deshaun Watson, but I don't think Deshaun Watson was that, was that bad. I think he was just never as good as he was in Houston. And it's, you know, yep. that comparison, you're always going to be like, he's trash compared to what he was, but he was still putting up pretty solid games. Like also 20, 20, you know, plus point games. He was getting back to rushing the ball a little bit. Um, injuries catching up with him there. He's locked in with that contract. They cannot do anything about it for the next couple of years here. So I think I'm still sticking with the Deshaun Watson. I think you can get Deshaun Plus, to be completely honest. I know this is what KTC is saying, but I personally think in sure. what I've seen with Deshaun in the market, people are trying to fade him as fast as possible. And Bryce still has the allure of being a first-year quarterback. I think if you can get Plus on top of Deshaun, go for it. Yeah, I like that. All right. Stefan not digging this. Uh, brutal, <laughs> you think Diggs is done in Buffalo? He's been, I mean, 
he's still getting the targets. It just hasn't been very productive. Wanted out last offseason. Wasn't there like the whole rumor of him like removing everything from his Instagram and his brother had to like come out and say something about like his behavior. And then like one week before the season started, he said he wasn't going to talk to McDermott or um, Allen. Like he's a, the dude, he's a the dude obviously he is a diva, but I also like if I were him, I also wouldn't like that organization. Like that organization lacks something at the end of the day. And you can say whatever you want, but like, Ever since, like, I feel like the Jim Kelly era, like, you can't make four Super Bowls in a row and not win them. Like, that, that's just embarrassing at the end of the day. And this team, honestly, I feel like kind of fits that same narrative. Like, sure, they're great and competitive during the regular season, but they just don't finish at the end. And he's just kind of been used to that, I feel like, Diggs, for his entire career. When he was in Minnesota, he had to deal with that. Now that he's in uh, Buffalo, he's still dealing with it. And I think he's a competitor. You can say whatever you want about these dudes, but... He wants to compete at a very, very high level. He wants to win a Super Bowl. And if you keep kind of dangling the carrot in front of him, sooner or later he's going to be like, fuck you, I'm out, because I'm going to get that carrot. I think this is potentially his last year. I think he's going to try and push for a trade in the offseason, especially because this season hasn't gone well at all. They've dealt with a lot of offensive coordinator changes. Or, well, they dealt with one. But I think you might even see McDog shit out during the offseason, given that crazy 9-11 story that he provided during the regular season that supposedly broke a lot of a lot of the players' trust in him. So, you know, with that being said, we might be in a stage to potentially buy Stefan Diggs for relatively cheap. You're not worried about age 30, you know, going on 30? It depends on what my team build is like. Uh, I do think that he's kind of similar to what I did with Keenan Allen this past season. I think there's going to be team builds where guys are fading. Uh, they haven't been winning the right way with their, their current builds, and they're going to want to get off of these older assets. You could probably give up like a 25 first for them. If you know that your team's going to be competing for the next two years, I for sure am giving up a late, a late first, no matter what, for, for Stefan Diggs. I, I just don't think that um, his lack of production over the last, what is it, like six weeks? really has anything to do with him based on what I've watched. The dude's fucking wide open almost 80% of the time that I've watched his routes. It really is just going down to either play call or Josh Allen's progressions. So I'm buying wherever I can if I'm competing. You watch the Bills and they're playing much more conservative. They're definitely trying to limit the mistakes. I mean, at, you know, as soon as they got rid of uh, the the Dorsey. offensive coordinator, they you know Joe Brady clearly is prioritizing. Look, let's let's stop throwing interceptions. Let's stop turning the ball over. Let's play a little bit shorter. Let's maybe limit your progressions. Let's not throw the ball downfield as much, which is really you know a big part of Stephon Diggs' game. Um, Stephon Diggs, twenty twenty four locked into the contract. Twenty twenty five is the first out, and it's still a twenty two million dollar dead cap. Like if they want to get rid of him, they got to trade him. Yeah. All right. End of the story. If they want to get rid of him, they got it. This isn't Russell Wilson and not teams don't often do that. They're not just going to eat 20, 40 millions of dollars, right? Like Denver is an inept organization. They, they have clearly been for a couple of years now. Um, it's, it's just, it, that's, that's not, you know, the way to do business. And I don't, I do not think that that is what you're going to see with Stefan Diggs. And, uh, and I'm with Jake here. I, I do think that, I'm trading a late first easily for Stefan Diggs. I'm trading a Saquon Barkley for Stefan Diggs pretty quickly easily. as well. Um, Jared Goff for Stefan Diggs, I think is a very, very intriguing proposition. If I need a quarterback 
and I'm in even the slightest rebuild, I think I'm going to do that. Yep. I, I do think Goff is pretty locked in. Like, there's no reason they're going to move on from him, even with, you know, a couple down games here and there. He is, he's a pretty solid quarterback. And for what they want to do, he's, you know, he's kind of like the perfect quarterback. So, um, yeah, I like Jared Goff there. And I do think with the age of Stephon Diggs, you'll get a year or two out of him, like Jake said, of, of really, I think, solid production still. But I, you know, it's going to taper off and, uh, and Goff is going to maintain, I think, through throughout that and plus. So I'd be doing that. Agreed. Last one here. I mean, this obviously stood out. We saw a massive T. Higgins explosion with Jamar Chase out. Anytime we see T. Higgins without Jamar Chase, I didn't bring up the splits. I could probably pull him up here while we're talking. Anytime we see Higgins without Jamar Chase, he's absolutely dominant. He's a wide receiver one. He just is that. Coming out, that's what he was. They just happen to have a surplus on this team. Is it by low season for him? I'm looking at the keep trade cut values and it's kind of blowing my mind. We have uh, a Michael Pittman, a Tank Dell, and a Kyron Williams. Like, are you, are you joking? Like, what do I? I would trade. I think I would. I might trade two. No, I wouldn't trade two of those guys. You don't have to, but it's pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's close to that. But yeah, if I could get away with trading any of these guys singularly for. <laughs> Higgins, I absolutely would. I would trade any of these guys plus a third or fourth going back to those, you know, championship tokens that you're talking about. Like if there's a dude, if there's a dude uh, who has, you're trying to get Higgins for your championship game and you have Dell sitting on your IR, great time to ship off Dell in a fourth for Higgins. Like that's going to win you the championship this week. Like I can assure you, like he might even only put up 15 points. It's still going to win you a championship over zero points from Tank Dell. Like, I just don't see how you don't get into that. Obviously, I've already talked pretty negatively about Kyron Williams. I'm getting the fuck off him as fast as I possibly can. And if it's for T. Higgins, then I'm elated. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's just kind of the reality of, of the situation. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I do like that Dell trade. I think that's actually a really heady trade for, you know, a, a playoff team trying to, to buy that last piece. Uh, I, I definitely don't agree with you necessarily on, on Kyron as much. Uh, I, I I think that he's probably going to be the lead back there next year again. I think a lot more competition for sure, but I, I do think they like him. I think he's a really good back. Uh, but anyway, I digress. T. Higgins, just looking at the splits here, I did pull him up with Jamar Chase, 13.2 PPR points without him, 14. So immediate increase there. And the... Uh, the target share, I mean, 20% goes up from 19. He's just, you know, he becomes the wide receiver one, essentially, when Jamar Chase isn't there. It's it's not significant, but it's, you know, about a point difference per game, which is which is definitely um, enough to care about. So I think we could definitely see T. Higgins off the, uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals next season, which, <laughs> depending where he goes, I think we've talked about this a little bit on this show, um, you know, it could get worse, could get a lot better, but uh, I think seeing T. Higgins as a wide receiver one, he's kind of a target hog, so I, I just think he's going to be semi-QB proof, and wherever he goes, I imagine they're going to be buying him to match with some kind of QB. Um, so, yeah, I like Higgins. Buy him, buy him, buy him. Uh, I actually bought him this past week. I'm trying to come up with the exact trade that it was, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes here. Those figures are a little skewed because there are two big outliers, if I remember correctly. There was one game last year while Chase was out where he, I think, played like two snaps and had got injured 
right at the beginning of the game. And then also on the other side of it, while Chase was in, I want to say it was two years ago, he did the same exact thing where he basically played like five snaps, got scored zero points. And so, you know, those zeros are going to make those numbers seem even more, um, you're going to obviously bring down the average. So just something to keep in mind, especially when these guys only play like 16 to 17 games uh, in a season, it, it definitely drags their averages down. Yeah, that's fair. Obviously, career long and their careers have been short, but yeah, that, yeah. that's that's fair. God, Jake, you know, always bringing in the logic, as your eye would say. Sorry, <laughs> dynasty unlogic un- underdog. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. So Jake's here. So we're going under the hood, underdog under the hood. Just just talking out some things. Just you know, it. it who knows? Just listen in. All right. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. This is something I've been thinking about a lot. Really, Jerry Jude, I feel like, is the poster child for this, which might be the, the best one to talk about. But I just feel like, I don't know. Do you feel this way? Sometimes there's just players that it just doesn't work out. Like, there's no true sign that could have told you this guy was not going to pan out. And, and again, Jerry Judy really, like, he strikes me as, the poster boy for this, the definition of this, because profile is so good, such a good route runner. You know, I mean, the team that drafted him didn't have necessarily the quarterback, but that's not always the problem. That shouldn't really always be the problem when you're a really good player. And it just, you know, coming out of Alabama, just such a stud. I, I, and, and I feel like there's some other players. I mean, maybe Christian Watson already has some red flags, but definitely Jerry Judy is one that sticks in my mind as like a guy who had near a near-perfect profile but just didn't work out. And I, and other than just the team that, you know, not being a super solid organization, it just seems like he just can't get it together. Is does it just happen or is there something there I missed? No, I, I think there's elements of any sport that we can't really put into perspective until it actually occurs. Uh, you know, this could be a coaching issue. This could be a, um, physical training issue right like he's dealt with more injuries in his four years three years in denver than he did in alabama like there are elements of these players that if you like them enough the window is always there for you to continue to buy a low on them and i don't think that there's necessarily a reason for you to get away from them uh just because you know they haven't hit yet I think if anything, this is the time to kind of give in into a Jerry Judy if you really like the profile, which I personally don't. But if you really do like the the profile of him or a Christian Watson, when they're about to move to another team, sometimes uh, the organizations just don't fit right for a particular player. And this happens, like I said, in every single sport. Uh, there's the anomalies, the guys who look like unicorns on paper and they just don't pan out. We obviously see it a lot more with quarterbacks mainly because it's a high pressure job. And I do think that, you know, location is actually a very, very damning component of the sport as well, specifically for quarterbacks, but we're not talking about them. We're talking about wide receivers right now. And that's kind of where my head is at. It's like, if you believe in a certain talent, just think that they're going to continue to hit. Um, if you can buy them for cheap enough, if the, if the risk isn't that high, you can get a Jerry Judy in the off season for a third, for instance, I would, do that in a heartbeat even a late second i think that's the type of thing that you want to try and get on your team before he blows up in another offensive scheme that fits him perfectly that's an interesting way to think about it yeah i mean definitely now would be the time to buy when his value is this low 
Yeah, it's what is it? Do you know? <laughs> oh, it's it's super low. Wide receiver forty six. Forty six. Wide yeah, receiver forty six. It's really bad. Like I don't know. I just like I I try to you know you try to look back on these things and analyze why you got something wrong and it just this feels like one that was so unavoidable like what was i going to do his profile felt especially coming out like now the profile doesn't look nearly as good because he's you know hasn't hit for nearly three years i i don't know it's just and, and honestly I'm, I'm like struggling to think of a ton of those guys that are that are still around that like i just can't figure out but he's definitely one of them that just kind of stuck in my craw a little bit like and i you know i think quentin johnson's going to be another one of those probably that's like again just has a nice profile coming out and yeah the drop things but again just going to a team and you're just like really but i mean his is a little more understandable i guess just there there were red flags with him there weren't as many with jerry judy and that one i just i wonder if sometimes and i think that's true i think sometimes these guys just it's a culmination of things like you said with the injuries with the team the quarterback like over and over and over again it just compiles and at some point it's too much to overcome even if they you know are a a good enough talent yeah uh, this isn't a like for like comparison but i would like to shout out corderell patterson you know another relatively high profile rookie when he came out um obviously started out as a wide receiver (laughs) finished as as a running back um but like he's a perfect example is like if you believe in a certain talent at the end of the day you'll probably be able to buy him for a very very cheap price at almost the bottom tier level of his value somewhere in the middle of his career when he's 26, 27 years old. And you would have been able to get some type of sustainable fantasy asset at the end of the day. Is the likelihood that he's going to hit high? No. But if you believe in the talent enough, I don't see why it's not worth having a guy like him somewhere sitting on your bench when you have a 25-man squad. Uh, When you have, you know, (laughs) I have a shit ton of flyers on all of my teams. Like, that's just the way that I play. I like to I like to gamble on the guys that I believe in. And if I believe in Jerry Judy enough from the very beginning, then I sure as hell should when he's, you know, sitting there at like a, an early third or potentially even cheaper uh, going into the, the off season. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I, I want to try and be as, as optimistic as possible as long as the, uh, the risk isn't particularly high for, my, for me or my squad. All right, Jake brought something up probably the last time he was on, and it was – a lot about you know how much are we willing to give up for a championship how much are you willing to pay right which is (laughs) a difficult question obviously to answer and um a little bit vague uh you know or it's just (laughs) it's a broad question let's put it that way um and you know the more and more i thought about it of course i think back to all these things probably too much more than i should but i just think that it's more about coming to terms with what you're giving up than what the actual amount is right obviously if it's not like a ridiculous amount you're not giving up the 101 one or two for a championship like you're just you just it's not good business right you don't do that kind of stuff but it you know in a vacuum within reason i think it's just really coming to terms of look like i'm i'm giving up this first like it's it's not a so much about how much are you willing to give up it's just are you okay with doing it? Are you going to be comfortable with making that move the following year? Right. Um, I think that's pretty much the answer. Like I I'm, I'm willing to give up as much as I'm comfortable with giving up um, on that specific roster. And, and you have to be able to make those, those judgment calls within reason. That's, that's pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah. Th- thanks for, thanks for coming back to this. I, I think it, 
that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I've been putting this into practice, obviously, as that conversation happens, playoffs actually hit, and I had to make decisions about what to do with that particular roster. Um, and, you know, I ended up just completely, for lack of better words, tanking my playoffs, if that makes sense. Like, it's kind of a weird phenomena, but I felt like it made more sense to trade away assets during the playoffs than it made sense for me to continue to push. Funny enough, my team put out like 170 points last week with like eight players. And, you know, if I would have been able to win that first round, I could have very well be in the finals without even making any moves, which is pretty crazy to me. But, you know, that's kind of fantasy in a nutshell. And I'm glad that I didn't overspend um, for the future because I think my future right now looks really good and I'm continuing to to add assets. But uh, I appreciate you coming back to this because, you know, it... (laughs) it was definitely racking my head in of like, man, should I start trading away more of my like larger scale assets to kind of, you know, make my squad a little bit bigger to cover all 10 positions. And it just didn't really make sense in in the short run. So that's what I did. I stayed away from it. Yeah. And, you know, I think an interesting example just for this conversation is the move I made in DU3 trading my first for Keenan Allen, right? And it obviously didn't work out because he didn't play. And it's funny, like sitting here today, like I'm comfortable with the move because I traded a first and a third. It was, it's going to be a late first, um, probably I think 110 at this point. It depends, I guess, on the third place finish game here, but um, we'll, we'll see what, what, what it finishes, but it's going to be a late first no matter what. And I'm still comfortable with that. And I feel okay with trying to make that move to win the ship like it could have worked out he could have played and honestly i think i lost the semis by two points so that's all that would have really made the difference um so you know you try to look at these things understanding that you know variances involved and all of that kind of stuff but knowing that you know the move i made i think was probably the right move in practice it just didn't work out because of factors that are out you know outside of anybody's control even the players so yeah, it's just looking back at that, I think is a good example of something I, you know, that you're comfortable with that was a fair amount. I mean, that's a, that's a good amount to trade, but you know, I'm going to be okay <laughs> next season. Keenan Allen's still going to play next season. Um, there's, there's, you know, a lot of leeway there still. So um, I think that's a good example of, of what, you know, you're comfortable with and, and kind of just coming to terms with the amount you're giving up and just saying, okay, that's, that's what it is. And that's, in that situation, you also had some future assets as well. So like you were able to give up that late first, but you also, I think, still have like the 102 or something ridiculous or 103, something absurd like that. So, you know, being able to look at that correctly is definitely the way to go and really understand like what you have is is important. But if you have the additional assets to trade away, then go out and try and win that championship. Unfortunately for you, like you said, injuries hit and... Yeah, who knew a heel injury would turn into a three potentially like four week injury? I did. Uh, it wouldn't have if Justin Herbert didn't get injured. It, it, I'm agree. very, very confident that it was like, all right, Justin Herbert's out. Like, I'm not playing this game anymore. Like, what, like why? Why would I? Yeah. Why would I risk hurting my foot anymore to play with Easton Stick? Like, let's be serious. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying he'd be in right now if Max Duggan was the starting quarterback? All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Reading between the lines, I see, Jake. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay, I want to know if we can kind of chat a little bit about what we can do as, you know, dynasty players or analysts, depending on how you think of yourself, to capture more 
Puka Nakua's, Tank Dell's, like guys that fall through the cracks that, you know, I, it, these guys that everybody is, t- it's what it is, is everybody tells you that, you know, they're not going to be anything. So you feel stupid if you're, if you're, you know, you're ahead of the crowd, if you're above them. And um, I, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough now, you know, like probably four years of real prospect analysis playing dynasty a little bit longer than that, where I feel comfortable with myself, where I'm, I don't fall into those traps as much, but I'm just wondering like how just in general, we can maybe capture these, these, you know, lower buys in the rookie drafts. Yeah. I just, <laughs> you can cut this out, but honestly, when I was reading this, I originally read this as what can we do as players and that analysts to catch a predator earlier? <laughs> and I, I was just like, what? We're going What's really under the hood. Yeah. We're going oh, under the hood. Um, you know, I think we had this conversation actually offline. And at the end of the day, I think what we should be doing is kind of garnering an understanding value for a particular player ahead of time. What are my range of values for this player going into the rookie draft? And where do I see them kind of, you know, tiered in comparison to the rest of the rookies? If you have them, in a higher tier than you know ADP or the rest of the community, that's okay. Like it's okay to overdraft on the guy that you want, but just understand that there's a good chance you might be able to get that guy for free. Uh, what's the trade-off here is that you know if you have Puka, let's say filmed at and graded at you know your wide receiver four or five coming out of the rookie draft, and he's not sitting there now at your four ten or four eleven, you're going to be bashing your head in at three ten when you could have easily gotten him. My point more so is find what that balance looks like and kind of dig into it. For instance, for me, the biggest thing that got me pukas, specifically multiple pukas, was just going in and making sure. Because in both of those drafts, I don't think I had a single fourth round pick. So I literally went into free agency afterward and just snagged them. Like I just snagged them right afterward. That means no one drafted them in an in a entire rookie draft. Tank Dell, I was able to get, I believe, at the 310 in one draft. I was able to get Tank in another league at, I think it was like the 4-1. Like, if you believe in the dude, who gives a fuck what other people think is kind of the way that I look at it. Like, I've also missed on dudes. Like, Marvin Mims, Deuce Vaughn, like, there's Charlie Jones, you know? Like, there's guys that have unfortunately hit certain situations this year that just haven't panned out for them. I think Charlie Jones is a perfect example of, like, a guy that you don't want to fade too quickly because you have to understand what happened to him this year, right? Injury situation really impacted the way that his his rookie landscape looked. And, you know, probably next year, there's not going to be uh, Jamar Chase, White.0. I mean, Trent Irwin. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and um, oh, that's so good. You know, like Yoshivas might not be as effective in that team, or maybe he will. Maybe he'll move into a T. Higgins role or something like that. But it's important to understand the landscape of the guys that you kind of have value for. And you know, those are the types of dudes that I know that you kind of went out and grabbed. Chase Browns, a lot of people were, were dogging on him. They didn't think that the tape matched maybe the situation as well. And I know for a fact you went so out and good. gambled. And you, you ended up gambling on that. But he's a perfect example of another guy you were able, potentially in some less deep dynasty leagues, you could pick up midway through the season because people were dropping him so early on in, in the year because of injury. So, you know... My perspective really is believe in your own ability to understand the game. At the end of the day, it's the same thing with sit start 
You know, you never want to reach out to somebody else, have them tell you who to sit and start and then blame them. You never want to tell the rest of the community, oh, you guys were wrong. And that's why I fucked up my team because I didn't draft Tank, Tank Dell at, you know, the 310. That's kind of the way I look at it. What about you? You, you? you nailed that for sure in terms of you should, you know, if you're doing your own analysis and I'm trying and I'm going to try to practice this much more going forward. But if you have a guy graded highly and you know he falls in the draft a little bit or he's falling in rookie drafts you don't have to let him fall like a big part of my problem was like i knew about puka and i'm like but i'm gonna get him in the fourth and it's gonna be even better because like i'm gonna get him so cheap and then, you know, inevitably, like, one or two other people knew about Puka in a league here or there and snagged him in, like, the third round when I'm, like, planning on getting him at the, you know, with my two fourth-round picks that I have when I knew I could, like, maybe trade those and get up and go get my guy. And I think it's exactly what you're saying is, like, find that balance of, you know, yeah, he could go in the fourth, but just take him in the third. Like, stop being greedy. Like, go get go get him so that there's no opportunity that someone else is going to get him and obviously you're not going and drafting him over sam laporta in the middle of the second round nobody's saying to do that but you know there's that balance where there's that gap between the laportas and like okay yeah chase brown is there but you know puka is that guy and i know that nobody knows i could get him in the fourth but let me go get let me just go get puka like stop being greedy and stop not trusting your analysis enough to be like yeah like he deserves to be there you know and, and tank dell was another good one where i had him super high um, in the film grades. And I let the draft capital, you know, really impact my thoughts on that just kind of faded him. Um, I mean, he hit in a Debbie league, he hit waivers in one. Okay. Like that's pathetic. That's, that's really pathetic. And, and you just, and again, it was in that one, I was like, I'm just going to spend all my fab on him, you know, and some other jackass did it too. So <laughs> it's like, you know, just pick him, like, stop being, you know, it's like, stop being greedy. And, um, I think that's what it is for me personally. I know it's being greedy is part of it for me trying to push the limits, even knowing that they're good assets. Um, so I think that's a big part of it that, that Jake's talking about here is, you know, um, there's a lot of good analysis out there these days. So there are going to be places to, you know, if you're not doing the analysis to find this kind of analysis, but it's also trusting it enough to just kind of, you know, actually buy in. Um, and that's what Jake's talking about. The last thing I just wanted to say really quickly is, think about the landscape of the teams that the players are also getting drafted by. Like you have your film grade on the player, you grade them at a particular level. I think both of these guys that we're talking about right now between Tank Dell and Puka landed in the perfect spots for them to also have a role. You know, whereas Charlie Jones, a great example of a guy landing in a spot to not have a role in his first in his first year. The fact that he was even used as as, as frequently as he is, I think is a testament to what they see in him moving forward, but I think Tank Dell Puka going into offenses with you know, Noah Brown, Nico Collins, uh, Robert Woods, basically a dead bedroom of a wide receiver core, and you know a Cooper Cup, Demarcus Robinson. I don't even know if he was there at the beginning of the year. Tutu Atwell, like it, Van, Van Jefferson. Jefferson. Oh, yeah. for sake! Like if you don't think Puka <laughs> Nakua is better than Van Jefferson, then like you probably shouldn't be playing dynasty fantasy football, right? Like, like. <laughs> It, the fact that there were people out there that were telling you to to draft Van Jefferson in startups, like those are the people you need to unfollow on Twitter because we've seen enough out of him to know like those are the types of rookie 
talent, you want to be competing against scrubs like that. Like the dude gets traded to Atlanta to a scrub wide receiver core, you know, aside from Drake. And he's made basically no progress from what he was doing in, in Los Angeles. So my point really is, you know, look at depth charts, understand what the, what the team composition looks like. And I think that will actually gain a lot of value in your own right for certain players to kind of um, help tier you uh, going into those rookie drafts. And like, not to harp on on this you know point that we're discussing, but I think there were some critical signs, and you know some of the coach speak, and that's kind of what both of these things that I'm going to mention are along the lines of, you know, and you you have to be discerning about this. We talked, I know that Uri and I talked about this a little bit this off season about you know there there is a level of of discernment you need when looking at news related to football, right? You need to be able to pick out the trash and pick out you know, the stuff that matters. And I think we heard from the moment that CJ Stroud got drafted, the guy's like, can you please go get Tank Dell? Like, can you go get this guy? Like that matters, you know? And then you see Sean McVay, Puka is, you know, dominating in camp. He's, he's, you know, playing with the first team. You see it over and over again. And at some point you have to believe in it. And I just remember that there is, there were times, even when that stuff was coming out, that people didn't believe in Puka. I mean, I was getting DMs from, you know, dynasty, you know, friends in the dynasty community, like, like this guy's never going to be anything da, 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 da. and then it you know it all comes together and and they're like oh you know and i remember when that news was coming out they were like that news doesn't matter and you know, i'm like all right whatever you say it matters so you know you have to be discerning but i think those were critical pieces of information that a lot of people just decided to you know pass up ignore uh and and they were just really important um and ended up being the truth so there were signs for sure. And I, I think, you know, we can, we can definitely do better uh, as, as players and, and analysts of trusting ourselves of kind of listening to, to what's actually being said, what's out there and, you know, using the information available to good stuff. So anyway, moving on last one here under the hood, this one is one that I I've been thinking about, especially, you know, trying to make trades late in the year. Um, do you ever think about this? Like keeping your intentions to trade like X player, any player to the rest of the league, unknown and i i guess the way i'm thinking of this is you know say i have a need right now and we're going into the finals you know it would be fairly easy for me to reach out to the league chat and be like hey i'm willing to move x guy or i need x like this is what's up but that puts you at somewhat of a disadvantage right like in my mind now everybody knows i'm vulnerable i'm vulnerable or that i maybe devalue X asset for whatever reason. So they see, you know, they can take advantage. Whereas if I just am either cold, you know, sending cold offers or I'm hitting somebody in their DMs, only they know, I know the rest of the league doesn't know if this falls through, I can go and potentially make another trade without any sort of stigma. Does that ever cross your mind? Yeah, definitely. I would say more often than not, when I put players on the block, um, I'm actually not trying to trade them, funny enough. Uh, So (laughs) I I know that sounds kind of crazy, but for me, I actually prefer like obviously situational is really important. You know, like when I threw Joe Flacco on the block for you playoff teams, like I'm trying to trade him, right? Like I'm, I'm not like, oh, I wonder what his value is. <laughs> might, might be able to keep him next year, you know? Like no, but like in yeah. the grand scheme of things, like I really do. I have a lot of assets that I do think that kind of move through different leagues, and I do like to test the waters in one league to see what people are willing to shop for. Um, into another league. So I think that kind of fits into the same narrative that you're kind of projecting. Um, 
there is a lot of, you know, headiness that you need to use when you're trying to get the most for an asset at the end of the day. I think when you let everyone know that you're either shopping for an asset or shopping an asset, the price goes up if everyone knows that you're shopping for X and the price goes down if people know that you're selling X. So it's a really interesting perspective to try and be in. But I think the biggest thing that I try and do is just kind of garner where other people are at in the league. So I will even sometimes send offers to people I'm competing against um, in the playoffs if I know that I could potentially get a huge value gain on a particular player that I won't obviously put out there and say that that player is on the block because I think it's a potential win for that player that I'm going up against. But really in the grand scheme of things, like I know maybe the matchup isn't particularly great, but they see the allure of, let's say, a Brees Hall, for instance, or someone like that. Um, and that's kind of the way that I do it. So yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of value to to gain by not disclosing that player X is for sale and or you're trying to buy uh, player Y or something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, along the lines of like the information gathering spectrum. It's like I, and, and part of it is, is definitely like deception, right? I mean, I do think part of, trade negotiations and discussions is being deceptive and, you know, not, not trying to skirt rules in any way, but, you know, trying to not always let your opponent know what you're trying to do. Uh, because as soon as you do that, you, you lose the element of surprise of, of, you know, what you're trying to actually get done. You can maybe say you're targeting another player. You actually want another one and kind of get it thrown into a deal and them not really notice that, you know, they could have gotten more value out of you for, for that, that trade for that other player. So there's just like little, little things that, you know, it, it's definitely not um, immoral. I don't think, right. I don't think we're yeah. uh, unethical rather. I don't think it's unethical, any, anything that we're doing here, but um, yeah, like, you know, listen to this podcast. I play in a lot of leagues with, with people who could easily listen to this podcast and and know what I'm trying to do, but that's, part of it like if i'm ever having a discussion with you i'm very likely keeping some information myself and um i'm always having you know very cordial discussions i've never you know and but that's that's just 100 percent how it's it's going to work out because as soon as i feel like i give you my playbook i feel like i'm immediately going to lose value on the deal um, so that's kind of where i'm coming from from this respect but i i just felt this happening there was a couple of deals i was trying to get done and i immediately i had a message in the chat and i deleted it because I thought to myself, I'm like, if I send this, I just think I'm putting myself at a disadvantage rather than just doing a little bit more work and going to a couple of the managers or going and actually looking at the rosters and, and, you know, hitting them on the side and, and kind of doing that. So, you know, a little bit extra effort, but I think it goes a long way. Whew. All right. That was good. I enjoyed that. Um, I already actually have something in my head for the next time you're on for under the hood. Um, I want to hit on some some psychological aspects, um, get a little bit deeper into it. Um, some some concepts, some psychological concepts, I guess, um, that we can talk about related to. You're gonna get us arrested, man. Dynasty. We're gonna think <laughs> no. we're like master manipulators. We're a bunch of narcissists who just like want to control other people. Like, no, no, I, I'm talking more about like <laughs> like you know confirmation bias and like things like that mm, that are kind okay. of like actual like concepts in psychology that relate to 
stuff that not that that one's a very like simple and easy one that is very clearly you know impacts us in in fantasy but not one that i was necessarily thinking of bringing up there's some others though along those lines that i think we could we could have some fun with but yeah it just kind of hit me while we're talking about this anyway let's talk about some quick dynasty trades we'll get out of here so jake and i can go watch the rest of this thursday night football game trades and non-trades okay we're talking about russell wilson at the beginning of this podcast both Jake and I think he's going to be starting next year somewhere, and I, I think that's pretty clear that's what's going to be happening. It just won't be for Denver. I traded Derrick Henry on a team that lost in the semifinals for Russell Wilson. I feel pretty good about that. How do you feel about that, Jake? Yeah, I think you posted that in the Discord, and I was I was pretty vehement of buying Russ for that price. I think that this makes a lot of sense. What what is what does Henry have? Another season? Thirty. Yeah, he probably has one more season at a relatively high level. So what is that for him? Like 850 yards, eight, seven, eight touchdowns? Like, I don't know. It could also, the wheels could easily fall off. He could turn into Dalvin Cook next year. Like, <laughs> speaking from a guy who bought Dalvin Cook for two <laughs> seconds. Um, exactly it, yeah. Yeah, so like, this is the time to to get off of a guy like Henry and, and buy, buy Russ who you can, worst case scenario, he only has three more years left in the NFL at a high level whoop de do you know you and the worst part is you could probably get off of him next year if he goes to the right environment uh and you can make a huge huge profit off of it to a team that you know needs a quarterback maybe you're in a situation where you're able to get off of your potentially like running back three or four for your quarterback three okay now you can get that quarterback three off for potentially a first a first and a second next year like that's the type of shit you need to be doing and that's kind of how you have to get off of these assets yeah you didn't even know that about the roster that's exactly what it was he's my running back probably three but you could stretch it to four if you want and i had only two quarterbacks but i'm i've always said i'm, I'm okay with carrying only two quarterbacks um i think i had i always carry like a backup or something that ends up falling into it like Gar- i think gardner Minshew was the one i carried this year regardless um if i can get a first for russell wilson that's more than i think i'd ever get for derrick henry so that would be great like at this point that'd be great return on my investment going into like the future if i didn't want to hold on to russell wilson who if he does get a derrick Carr type contract much more valuable asset going forward than derrick henry no matter what for you know two to three years or so like like jake was saying so i'm uh, obviously in agreement i made the trade okay Next one here, Isaiah Likely plus Rasheed Rice for George Pickens and Traylon Burks. Like I, the worst part is like when, when trades like that happen yeah. in the leagues that we're both in, like I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Like it's not, not a big deal. Like that shit happens. But when the trade is like immediately impacting me as a person who's competing against you <laughs> in the finals, like I know joke, like I would never do this, but like internally, I just want to like go DM that guy and just be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing right now? Oh, dude, it's 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 such a it's such a stupid fucking trade. Like, I just, I don't even I just don't even understand it. Yeah, you you want you want you want the trade? Are you, are you happy? Is that, is that, that that's what I want to hear. Yeah, that is what cool. I want to hear. Yeah, like, likely Rice is a, is a win for per, for Pickens and, and Burks. Yeah. Oh, stroke my ego. Thank you, thank you. I feel so good. This was in Dynasty Underdog Listener League two. Uh, both Jake and I happen to be in the finals. This is my second year in the finals, so I have to win. Uh, that's that's pretty much the rules but I lost uh, I think I lost TJ Hawkinson so I pretty much had to make this deal I didn't have another tight end on my roster so it was either this or like Tyler Conklin for a fourth or something <laughs> so yeah like it, it this obviously all hinges on how you feel about Pickens if you think Pickens is the next coming 
then obviously you're going to be a little bit more uh, hyped on the Pickens side. I think I originally sent just straight Pickens for Rice and Likely, and this was the offer back. And I was happy to move Burks. I think Burks still has some potential. I think Burks is still going to probably actually be a okay player. But, uh, yeah, I think the wide receiver 1-2, I'll probably end up being the wide receiver 2 in Rasheed Rice for Mahomes. And then Isaiah Likely, who I need desperately this week to start, who I also think is a pretty solid just backup option. Um, it, it, it just doesn't feel like slam dunk, like I smashed the deal. Like this is what I was talking about earlier, but I do think that it's a clear win uh, if you can be honest with yourself about George Pickens. Yeah. I, personally, I have – I have Rice tiered above Pickens, and so yeah. I automatically feel like straight up that's a win. And if we're going to go likely for Burks, I'm taking likely over Burks as well. So like that's the only reason why it feels like a slam dunk to me. Sure is likely in a situation where he's always going to be the tight end too. Yeah, but we also have seen the instability of Mark Andrews' health, and it's making likely kind of viable every year. So worst case scenario, next year when Hawkinson hopefully will be healthy, you know, by at some point of next year, you can probably sell likely for whatever you need to when, <laughs> unfortunately, Andrews goes down. I feel like it's a common thread, but, you know, it, it's a it's a possibility. And likely can easily just come in for maybe a week or two, blow up again like he usually does, and you can get rid of him for, you know, a late second. I feel like that's a huge, huge buy situation where you you couldn't get a second for Burks if you wanted to right now. So I think Isaiah likely also just tight ends in general have a pretty long shelf life in the NFL. Yep. And you know, he may survive past Mark Andrews career in Baltimore. He may end up on another team eventually playing a more substantial role. Uh so I think Isaiah likely is a a very appealing uh, dynasty asset at the right price. And I, I do think, like you said, in this deal, one for one kind of thing, I think it works out pretty well. So um, yeah, like I, I obviously also have rice above Pickens uh, easily at this point. So yeah, surprise. I got that deal done. Um, that league can be pretty stingy. So that was an interesting one. This was a I, was Twitter this trade. Yeah. Okay. It was a Twitter trade that I saw that I thought was interesting. Um, Dak for the 103 in Superflex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll probably, uh, man. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take I'll take Dak. We're probably saying Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr. Most realistically, yeah. or, or potentially Caleb Williams, depending on how the offseason goes. Um, any of those three, but most realistically, Drake May or maybe even Jaden Daniels. People are talking about Jaden Daniels popping up now that high, which I think is crazy. But Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr. is kind of where I'm seeing the 103 for K Dak. K Caleb's probably the only one that that has an argument in my mind to kind of you know potentially jump up above Dak in value but um it, I mean Marvin Harrison really like if I'm in like a super rebuild that is enticing but I do think that value wise Dak is probably the answer there it's close it sure is close but I'd rather Dak for sure over any of the quarterbacks in the draft personally um I think he's I think he's really good and I don't see any reason that he's not going to be a starter for a very long time in the NFL. Um so yeah, I think I take Dak over the 103. Yeah, same. Uh same vein cuz I saw it in the same thread. CD Lamb or the 101. CD Lamb or the 101. <laughs> 
I actually think I made a trade similar to this last year. I traded, I ended up like uh, sneaking out like a trade where I got 101 or 102, or I think it, it may end up being 102 in this draft. Um, it was in console wars and I moved it straight up for CD lamb and I feel pretty good about it today. Like, I don't think any, like as much as I'm like, yeah, Caleb, like, Maybe I take over deck. I don't think any of these guys are slam dunks. Marvin Harrison obviously is as close to a slam dunk as you can get. But if he's CD Lamb, then you're happy as hell with it, right? So I, you know, I like if you think Marvin Harrison is going to be better than CD Lamb, like good luck. Like hopefully he is, but like that, that'd be, <laughs> you know, that's like the yeah. peak. That's the peak of wide receiver play is that you're Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. Yeah, like you hope that's it, but you take the slam dunk one that's already there, and this is the boat conversation, right? Would you rather? the boat in the box, you know, drive the boat yep. or yeah. So it's, it's that whole conversation. Um, so yeah, I'll take CD. I think still same. I'd need a, probably a plus. Yep. Same. Okay, cool. Thanks. All right. This actually happened against me in a league. Somebody lost Hawkinson and traded for Jacobs and George Kittle. They moved Hawkinson for Jacobs and George Kittle. When did this happen? Literally like a day ago. Oh no, it wasn't again. Uh, yeah, it was against me. Yeah, it was against me. It happened like two days ago in a, a finals that I'm in. Somebody lost Hawkinson and moved for Jacobson. And who Jacobs might not even play this yeah, week. So. That's why I was curious what the, the date of it. Um, oof, interesting. Um, well, if anyone heard my, my tight end rankings, I've got, I've got a Hawkinson. I think at, I think I had him at three. Um, and I had I him at, at one. You sure? Did I have him? I had him at one over over Andrews. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right for me. <laughs> um, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that was before his his double. Uh, it was ligament. before his injury. Yeah, yes. it was before his double ligament tear. But yeah, so I had him at one, and Kittle I think at five or six. Oh no, you uh, had him at two. Oh, I, I'll give you credit. You had him at two. You you had Mark Andrews at one as well. You had him at two. All right. Th- thanks for the slander. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Hawkinson, Hawkinson at two, I had Kittle at seven or six, something like that. Um, yeah. I personally just don't believe in Josh Jacobs anymore. And I just feel like you could probably get better value for Hawkinson. I feel like this is the great time to get someone like a McBride instead of a Kittle instead. Uh, that's the dude that I would be going for. And I think you'll also get probably a better performance out of them next week or this or this upcoming week in, in the finals. I'm assuming that's what this trade is for. So, yeah, I just don't I don't get the Jacobs ad. Like to me, that's crazy. I don't know. I thought it was like a panic move. Personally, I don't even again Josh Jacobs being a player who's who might not even play in this game, and then you know he's going on 26. Don't know which team he's going to be with next year. It's it just. Like I, I saw it come through and I was like, Meh. <laughs> like, all right, like, I'm not that scared of the move. And I just, you know, I do think that there was, I don't know, like all the, okay. So when Mark Andrews went down this year in a league, I went and I traded for George Kittle without moving Mark Andrews. TJ Hawkinson went down in DU too. I went and I made a move to acquire uh, Isaiah Likely and Rice, but I did not give up TJ Hawkinson. So I think that's more my issue with this is like you're clearly selling low on an asset or lower than you should be. And there's probably another way to get this done where you may have spent less capital and probably got similar production. Because yes, George Kittle obviously had a great week last week. He's had a couple really big boom weeks, but we've also seen where he can just become a pumpkin in a game. You know what I mean? Like it, it just happens. So yeah, I just, I, I think that that, you know, again, um, 
I think it was necessary that a trade got done here. I said this um, from the Dynasty Underdog account, but you know, you should be very careful about making trades to secure a championship in your league. Like it's not often that the move you're going to make is going to win you that league. It's going to only increase your chances five or ten percent. But when there's an injury, I said I said it in you know unless there's a major injury, then yes, you have to go make a deal. I get it, but you don't have to give up all of the dynasty value <laughs> to get it done. So. Um, yeah, that's my problem with this one. I agree with you. I don't believe in Jacobs too much. I don't think it's the worst trade. You got Kittle, whatever. Like, he'll be around for a while. But, yeah, I want Hawkinson personally. I guess the so. way that I'm just confused about it is, like, if you are trying to lock in that championship, right, like, I want two assets that I know that I'm going to, that are going to elevate my team. And the Jacobs situation is just, if he doesn't play in your final, then – He's in a situation next year where he very well could be, you know, in a Le'Veon Bell situation. If he doesn't get paid the money he wants to get paid at 26, 27 years old, like the dude sits out, his career is done. If he doesn't sit out and he does play, he could be Dalvin Cook. You know, like you're not talking about longevity here. And you lost out on a 26-year-old tight end for a 30-year-old tight end and a 26, 27-year-old running back. It's just, I don't know. It's I agree with you. It's just like it just doesn't do what I would be trying to do in, in trades personally too, too much of a long shot with, uh, with Jacobs. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So I got this, this was a Debbie league. Uh, I got this done. I mean, I think this is a smash deal. I don't know how I got this done, but it was sent to me. Uh, T Higgins. I received for a Ramondre Stevenson, a 25 third in Debbie and a jury on Dickey, who is a five-star wide receiver for Oregon. That boy needs to get on the field this year, otherwise problems. But he's a he's a stud prospect, that's for sure. So think like a let's call it a late like twenty six first. Let's just call it a late twenty six first with Jerry on Dickey to make it easy for everybody here. Uh, twenty five third and Ramadre Stevenson for T Higgins. Yeah, I think that's I, I I think that's like a like just under Higgins value in my mind. Like I I, I hear you. I do think it's. And accept. I don't know if I would go smash accept if that's how you're going to value Dicky. Um, but you know, <laughs> you're talking about 2026. So I I rather assets that are going to win me now. Um, and that's <laughs> Billy. Billy's played enough with me that he knows that I trade away I trade away my future pretty fast. So in a Debbie situation, I'd probably do the same exact thing. Um, I'd always trade to win now, and that's that's the type of trade that I would I would absolutely do. Yeah, it's tough with with the Devi assets like a jury on Dickey because he could easily be a second or a third round rookie yep. pick. Like it could he could you know fall off the face of the planet if he doesn't get it going here at the college level. So you know obviously he's one of those guys who hasn't shown a ton of promise early uh, at Oregon. So one that I was willing to move off of. So obviously, you know, if you think about it, that pick could be anywhere between that range. It's a little bit more appealing of a deal to make, but I do agree with you that I think that it's fairly, um, it's fairly close, but I'd much rather Higgins who I think his value could rise from where it is now going into next year. Um, and that's how I'm kind of looking at the deal. So this is just clearly, I mean, this this was after Higgins had a pretty good game. Higgins still a buy low. Like we talked about it obviously in the what stood out section. Just another example of it right here happening in real time. So go get you some Higgins. I think he's a, a definitely a big buy this offseason. All right. I think uh I think that's it. I don't think we have anything anything else. Um I'm not gonna ask you if you have anything else. I know you don't. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my brain is, is done. My eyes are closing. Uh, I'm good. Thank yeah, you. I know. I know. We got to get out of here so we can watch some football. Um, what are you talking about, dude? I'm on the East Coast. It's late for me. It's early for you. Jeez. I didn't take a nap today. I had the day off. <laughs> didn't take a nap today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're so high maintenance. All right. All right, everybody. Join the uh, join the Discord. All right. Check us out on Twitter. At Dynasty Underdog, uh, at Willie Bean DFF, or yeah, uh, at Willie Bean DFF, at Jake Jake Abrams, at Uriah Dawkins. Come talk to us. Join us next week on the pod. We'll we'll be here. Take it easy, fam. Mm-hmm.